Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast. Hello, Christy, and hello, listeners. Welcome to this week's episode of A Little Wiser. Today, we are going to talk about last week's episode with Martin Lockett. Christy, tell me, what did you think of Martin? (laughs) I love Martin Lockett. I think that's what I texted you right after listening to the episode. He's just a man you really want to root for in every way. It's mission-driven, humble, it's joyful. He's got this incredible story. I just, I feel like I am staunchly in Martin Lockett's corner and wishing, wanting such really wonderful things for him, which I think are going to come his way. Yes. That's how I feel about him. I could talk about him for, I feel almost like how I felt about Dr. Edie. Yes, I do too. That's so funny. (laughs) Yeah. I felt the same way. And, you know, I think what I, before you actually even listened to the interview, I think I called you right after that day. And I'm like, I don't know. Sometimes you just feel like you meet somebody at this exciting time before the world's going to discover them. And I just have Mm. a feeling about him that he's just going to make a big splash in the world. And Oprah or somebody is going to discover him because I just think he has a really powerful, timely story and he's wonderful at telling it and he's smart and charming and yes, huge Martin fans. Yes. And he sends funny texts that you just told me about. I want to hear about it or share with the listener. Yes. I love his texts. We're totally text friends. (laughs) Um, So we're recording this on the day that his episode aired, which by the way, is always a little bit scary because people hear their interview, right? You want them to like Mm, it. mm -hmm. So anyways, he texted me first thing this morning and like the text was just, uh, he's an amazing writer. It's just so, so kind. And then he also texted me, said after he listened, he's like, I'm not crying. It's just dusty in here. I actually, it was really fun for me too. I'm sure I'm not the only person that does this, that after listening to interviews, I promptly Google because I love to put a visual to the voice. And so that was fun to see. And maybe in the future, there'll be a way for us to listen to the podcast and see you interview the people. Wink, wink. Maybe there's an (laughs) announcement coming. (laughs) We shall see. Maybe All the Wiser is all of a sudden going to be visual too. Hmm. We'll, we'll have all the fingers crossed. Anyway, so I really got that from the interview too of what how gifted he is both in his storytelling and the things that he's done in his life, but that he's got this really strong creative energy around writing and art and that piece. So he's just a super dynamic person. Yeah. Well, let's talk about standouts. And there was many for me, but give me your top one or two moments in the interview. It's hard for me to pick a favorite moment because I just liked him and his story and how he told his story and so many different pieces of it so much. But the one thing that came to mind too was when he shared the story about his work with restorative justice and that moment where they bring in 
victims or people who have been related to victims and meet with the people who, the offenders and take part in this really wonderfully restorative process. And the part that was really touching to me is when he shared the story about bringing together the offenders and victims and the healing that can occur when that woman tells the story of hearing the apology and not from the person who had committed the offense. That person never had made that sort of repair, but there was another person who stood in that person's shoes and said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry for your loss and how powerful that was for the woman who'd been holding on and waiting for an apology. It was an inmate. It was a yes. mother who had been waiting and waiting and waiting for years for acknowledgement and an apology. And another inmate who didn't, you know, was not the perpetrator, did not commit the crime, stood in front of her and said, I know I'm not him, but I'm going to tell you. And it was like, it changed everything for her. He yeah. told that story like he had me. <laughs> it was really, really, it was. yeah, it was really very powerful. And I also really love the moment when he talks about the moment of, I think it was in the lightning round where you asked him his ideal day or night or, and he said, just this ability to go downstairs in the morning into his own kitchen and make his own coffee and sit down and drink his coffee the way he likes it. It was just the way that he talks about those smaller moments in life and the tremendous gratitude or appreciation he has for those moments was inspiring for me. Yeah, I agree. And I think I was really curious and fascinated about what it means to be incarcerated for 17 mm. years and come yeah. back into a world that moves very quickly with technology and a, a vastly different world than you left. And um, it was, you know, it was just fascinating to learn about how he prepared for that and the realities of that. And he was just, you know, he was also funny about it, like getting into fashion and he's like, I'm not wearing blue. I had to wear blue for 17 years. But um, I think the work that he did and falling in love with his fiance, Robin, you know, who he met as a pen pal writing while he was in prison, but all of the work that he did over the years on himself and his education and, you know, finding his purpose and clarity about what he wanted for his future. He just seems like he was so prepared to seize the moment to start building a future like from day one. Yeah, I would agree. I think I, so often we hear more about or read more about the, how difficult that transition can be. And he seems he's only been out, I think you said nine months. Is yes. It, right? Yes. Yeah. He's doing, I mean, and he's already been surfing in Cannon Beach. Yeah. And I know this because I checked out his Instagram page. <laughs> so you have worked in the criminal justice system for many years and you have a tremendous amount of knowledge and heart when it comes to justice and justice reform. So will you just mm -hmm. tell everybody real quickly, high level about your work in this space? Yes. Talk about myself. Ooh, it's almost easier to keep talking about Martin. Deflect, deflect. Defle exactly. So listening to Martin's story was especially touching for me because I've worked for the past 20 years representing parents in dependency proceedings. And what that means is that when a parent makes a choice or when a parent behaves in a way that is no longer protective of their child and the state gets involved because we want to protect our children, it's a high priority to protect our children from abuse and neglect, the state gets involved and parents are appointed lawyers. And so that's why I come in. If a parent can't afford a lawyer, I'm appointed. And how this connects to 
Martin's story and what really, why it touched me so much is that so often the men and women that I have represented over the years, I think our world would make a lot of judgments about them and the choices that they have made. And so I just have real compassion for my clients. And yes, they've made some poor choices, but I guess the takeaway here is that being human is just, it's really complex and it's challenging. And oftentimes my clients will make choices because of drug addiction or because they don't have the same support systems because they're not particularly sympathetic, right? People often ask me, I get this question a lot when I tell them what I do is, how do you represent people who have abused or neglected their children? And my answer is, well, it's nuanced, it's complicated, but where it relates to Martin's story is that being human is really hard and complicated. And so often we make choices that don't reflect our true dignity and worth, if that makes sense. Many of my clients don't have those same support systems in place. They don't have the same economic resources to be able to get help when they need it. And that's not to excuse the choices that many of my clients make. It's only to say that so often we do make decisions and choices in our life And they can have a tremendous impact on our own lives and the lives of others. And they can define us in ways that I don't think is always often, it's not a fair reflection of their true worth. And I think Martin is a great example of that, is that a person could look at him and the decision he made to drink a tremendous amount of alcohol and then to drive and the very real impact he made to the people who he killed and not to make that small. That's a very big thing, but that he also is a person who has now has this incredibly clear calling and he spent the past 17 years figuring, how do I remedy this thing that I did that happened? It doesn't define me. And I just feel like if we could offer more compassion for each other and the decisions that we make and how we're trying to live our lives. I mean, don't you think part of it is just, we want it to be simple. There's good, there's evil. And with that notion or with that worldview, it's a really sad, depressing outcome, right? Yeah. And it's just not that too. It's It's just not, not, yeah, I think it too. It's just like full stop. It's not black and white. One of my favorite people and real inspiring figures in my legal career is Brian Stevenson. He's the founder and director of the Equal Justice Initiative. And he has a quote that says, each of us is more than the worst thing we've ever done. And to me, that feels like that's sort of a a value base or a guiding principle for me and how I chose to practice law for many years. Thank you, you know, for sharing all of that and giving some context to the work that you've done in the world, because I really do think it's so relevant to this conversation. And I think it's such a incredible part of who you are and your story. And you really have opened my eyes, I think, in just learning about your work and just, I don't know, viewing things with a really open and compassionate lens. But I think one of, and it's funny that you brought up Dr. Edie, because as I was telling you that I feel like I've truly like made a friend in Martin, Yeah, what I wrote about in this week's newsletter was unexpected friendships. And I think that's one of the things we wanted to talk about today. And it's funny because in my day-to-day life, would I naturally, organically become friends with a 94-year-old woman? Would I naturally, organically become friends with a man who was, you know, eight months out of 17 years in prison? No. 
by virtue of this podcast, these people Mm. have crossed my path and I've just felt this incredible human connection in spite of completely vastly different lives, right? This Mm -hmm. 94-year-old woman and and with with Martin, and that's such a beautiful reminder of how we sort of stay in our tribes and our silos. And there's all of these people in the world that, you know, maybe we have preconceived notions or we just assume they're different. But in fact, we have so much more in common than we could possibly imagine. And I, those two people would be standout examples for me. Yeah, I think one of the very real benefits of the show for myself and even just recording these different episodes with you. And I listened to it beforehand, but I've been given the gift to be able to hear the stories of so many different people who I would not otherwise come into contact with. And, you know, as humans, we are, we have so much information coming at us all the time and our bodies and our minds can only handle so much information. And so I think so often as a strategy, we condense, we assume, we make judgments. And I think that is a natural part of what it means to be human and it's problematic when that leads to just what we're talking about is you don't have an opportunity to engage with and learn about people who may have different life experience than you, who you know have lived a different life. And so I think one of the gifts of this podcast truly, or just whether it's listening to a podcast or different stories or reading books of, or being intentional about connecting with people who may have different lived experiences than you, that you are reminded time and again, how much we have in common as humans, you know? Yes. I think the stories on the podcast and the people on this podcast are a very poignant reminder of the shared experience of being human and how much we all have in common, right? And joy and love and suffering and perseverance and all these things we talk about. And I think when you can think about it from a way of excitement and potential, that maybe we thought our worlds were a little smaller than in fact they are, then your possibility for connection, your possibility for friendship, your possibility for collaboration is so much bigger than you thought, right? And I mean, I think you can think about it in a way that's beautiful and exciting and curious versus, you know, giving it so much weight, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I hadn't thought about it that way. I always go to like sort of a more problem-solving focused place, but I look at it, I think I always approach it such from a more compassionate world, the softer place to land. But I like looking at it the way you just did, which is, look, we are a lonely people. We know that, that connection is something that we crave and that we need. And so even by stepping outside of our own experience and and stepping into and listening to the lives or understanding what somebody else experiences are, you like really make your own potential so much more expansive, which is really exciting. Yeah. And you like learn new things and go into new worlds. And how do we open our hearts and our minds and our eyes to people we perceive as different, or maybe we have preconceived notions or judgment? Like, how do we chip away at that? Well, I just think it's like what the the bite-sized challenge for me is take a moment as you're listening, whether you're driving, okay, maybe not if you're driving, if you're folding laundry, if you're out for a walk and think, is there a group or is there a viewpoint? Is there a group of people that you have made assumptions about and it's worth your time and effort to one, notice your judgments, we all have them, about another group, and then two, Think about ways that you can learn more 
about that group or that person or that viewpoint. And it doesn't mean when I say viewpoint, I think it's important to remember that we're not suggesting that you agree, that we all have to agree. That's not what this looks like. I think what it looks like is saying like, I understand, I've made a judgment about, say, let's take Martin Lockett. You might have a judgment about a person who is incarcerated, but then once you hear him and understand his story and see him as a human who has the same you know, feelings, both good and bad as you do, then you're able to connect in a way and it, it shifts something in everyone. And that's how we can increase that compassion. But it's not to say that you need to adopt a person's opinion, but understanding and getting in closer proximity with different groups is a great strategy to help get you outside of thinking outside of yourself. We don't have to agree with everybody, but there is by understanding another person and their humanity you know, you can appreciate them for who they are and what they are doing in life. And it's not just about us being kinder humans. It's like better for humanity and and individually, it's better for our own health too. When we think about this stuff so often, I have this idea of like, to what end? Why should you care? Why should you take the effort to try to understand Martin's story or any other person that you may have a judgment about? And I think you know, I think because diversity in itself on its own is incredibly important to our health, our well-being, and the success of our world. Yeah. This idea that we're talking about, if you could imagine, right, the ripple effect, if the whole world took the advice of this episode of A Little Wiser, <laughs> we could end wars. We would, lives would be saved, yeah. you know, literally, truly. So, you know, that's a big ambitious goal, but maybe we can start in our homes and in our neighborhoods or in our friend groups and, you know, try it out there. Because I think every time an unexpected connection is forged and walls are broken down, that humanity moves a little bit forward. All right. Christy, Martin Lockett. We love you. We love you, Martin. We love you. Robin, we love you too. Yes. And we're just really cheering you on. So excited to see the really incredible things that you do. Well, thank you guys for listening. And I hope that you are inspired by Martin's story and maybe some takeaways in this conversation. And before we wrap, as they say in show business, we have some news. And it's actually kind of no longer news if you listen to the podcast, but we have a really, really big favor. What is the favor? I'm ready. Tell me what you need me to do. So as you may know, or you may not know, All the Wiser was nominated for a Webby. And what the Webby Awards are, they're the best of the internet, or it's like the Academy Awards for content creators, except mm. there's not like drama or, you know, ball gowns. It's just, it's an international award. And I mean, I think they're they're legit. They're a pretty big deal. The award ceremony is in New York, and we are one oh. of five nominees for Best Podcast Interview. Congratulations. That's super exciting. Thank you. Well, it's a team effort. It was for an episode we did with Rebecca Bender on sex trafficking, and there obviously is a producer and a sound engineer and assistant producer and myself and Rebecca. So it is all of us that were nominated, which is very exciting. So the Academy votes, and then there's the People's Voice, which is the big one. And that is basically the public voting. So we are up against really big shows from big networks like A&E, and they have you know big backing and budgets and marketing. 
And we are really like a grassroots show. So it's really our audience that could make it happen. (laughs) No pressure. (laughs) And voting ends tonight at midnight. It ends at 11.59 Pacific Standard Time. There is a link in the show notes, or you can go to Instagram at All The Wiser Podcast. And you click, you do have to pop in your email, but it should be quick and easy. We updated the link to make it as easy as possible. And you cast a vote for All The Wiser, and then you cross your fingers. (laughs) Or I cross my fingers. All right. So when is voting, when is it close? Today at midnight. Oh. Okay, so listener, go do it right now. It really honestly only takes a very short amount of time. Yes, and so... It would be so fun to see your show win. Would you go to New York for the actual... Is there a ceremony? I mean, if I win, it's next month. And they do a crazy thing. Like all the speeches are a set amount of words. It's like Twitter, like everybody has, which is kind of fun. Yep. So I think if I could swing it, I would go do it in person. I mean, it feels like a long shot, but I mean, yeah, if you want a Webby, why not go to New York, right? I think so. Yeah, for sure. Oh, I'm so excited about it. Maybe you and Martin will come with me. (laughs) (laughs) And Robin. Robin will come too. Yes. And the other shows we're nominated against are really good. I've been listening to them. So after you vote for us, you get (laughs) Check out listening for, but don't listen to the other shows until after you vote. That's a good, that's a good just, job. Just kidding. Anyways, thank you for your support. Christy, thank you always for these episodes and for your insight and your wisdom and your heart and your friendship. And everybody go and vote for All the Wiser for the Webbies. Again, we are up for best podcast interview and we will see you next week. Bye, Christy. Bye, Kimmy. Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? I'm Kat, founder of Ritual. We're making traceability the new standard for the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I couldn't find a multivitamin I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested, and clean label project certified. Oh, and our vitamin D3? It comes from sustainably harvested lichen from England, not sheep. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.